Hello, podcasters. Welcome back to Mr. Stroud's History Class. Today, we're going to continue with the French with a gentleman known as the father of New France. Of course, he wasn't called that for many years after he died, but he was the most important Frenchman in Canada. His name was Samuel de Champlain. Now, podcasters, I'm going to share something with you. It is the best wrong answer I've ever had in all the years that I was teaching. Back when I was a hard teacher and gave difficult tests, I would often have identify, short answer. And one day, in giving the test over the people we have already been talking about, Verrazano, Cartier, Cortez, I had identified Champlain. I, for some reason, just did not put Samuel D. I just put Champlain. And the best wrong answer, and if anybody can beat this, you put it on my Facebook or you email it to me, it better be better than this. Champlain. An expensive drink often consumed at festive occasions. Outstanding. If that had been champagne, that would have been the perfect answer, but it was not. And I asked the gentleman when I got through with the test, why did he do that? He didn't know the answer. That was obvious. And he just grinned and said, I was trying to get some extra credit. Well, he didn't, but I've never forgotten that answer. Samuel Champlain is one of the most interesting people I've ever read about. And these are the things he did. Now, this is just a little bit of it. To begin with, of course, he is a Frenchman, and he was born in 1574 in France, of course. And the first time we see him in history, he was a lieutenant in the army fighting against the Spanish. The French won this war, and part of the treaty was for the French to return their prisoners to the Spanish. His brother was an officer in the Navy, and Champlain talked his way in with his brother to go to Spain with him to return the prisoners. When he got to Spain, he did something. Now, I want you to remember, if you remember Cortez, and I told you that Cortez went back to Spain to try to be named Viceroy. He wanted to see the king. And I remember telling you, podcasters, the only reason I was really telling you this was because I was going to tell you about someone later. This is that someone later. Not even Spanish. A Frenchman. Cortez, the greatest of all conquistadors, was not able to get an audience with the king of Spain. Samuel de Champlain did. A Frenchman. And the army that just defeated the Spanish is able to get in and talk to the king. I tell you what, podcasters, had that man been born in a later time, he'd been the best used car salesman ever. He was able to do that. And not only did he get an audience with the Spanish king, but he convinced that Spanish king it would be perfectly fine for him, a Frenchman, to go to New Spain, Mexico, and look around and visit. Because what Champlain was... He was a natural 
curiosity seeker of what was around the next bend and across the next river. So the first time he came to America, he comes to Mexico. Several things in Mexico. First, he suggested at the Itmas of Panama, why don't you just dig a ditch, put water in it, and float your ships back and forth? And so about 1598, he suggested the Panama Canal. The other thing is much more important. Podcasters, he saw cruelty by the Spanish upon the Indians that were just unbelievable and certainly unforgettable. He said that he saw Indians working in the fields and they were driven in to mass with bull whips. And when they had worked from sunup to sundown, can see to can't see, they would be in mass, which was spoken in Latin, and some would fall asleep and they would be dragged out and whipped. He also saw Indians burned alive. Now, when I was teaching face-to-face in a classroom, and I got to this part about Indians being burned alive, I told the students, I was going to show them a painting that Champlain had done of, I believe it was six Indians being burned alive. And I told them it was going to be horrible. They didn't have to look at it. It's not going to be a requirement. And so if you don't want to see it, you better close your eyes right now. How many of you think close their eyes? How many of you think cover their eyes? If you said zero, then you were right. And I got that horror built up and I opened that book and podcasters, they laughed. And the reason they laughed was, as I told them then, I'm not an art critic. I don't know if Champlain was a good artist or not, but what he did do, he wrote many books and he wanted illustrations. This was an illustration. The Indians looked rather nonchalant, did not look like anyone was in pain, and the students laughed. And I said the reason they laughed is because they had seen movies like Halloween Part 13, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. When Champlain painted that painting and put it in his book with a woodcut, those Frenchmen knew that was happening right then. That was at that time horrified. But here's the important part. Champlain made himself a promise when he saw the cruelty of the Spanish to the Indians. And that promise was, and this is extremely important, if I, meaning Champlain, were ever in any position of authority in the New World, I will never treat Indians like that. I will never be mean to Indians. I will treat them as humans. And podcasters, that is a promise he will keep to the day he dies. He goes back to France. Where he wants to go is to the New World. He wants to go to Canada. And the way he got over here was... Fishing off of Newfoundland was magnificent. There were codfish. 
codfish were a right sale in France. You could make a fortune with codfish. And so, Champlain saw an ad in the paper, or he heard about a position in a bar, that a man by the name of Sierra Dumont was looking for someone to be the overseer of a colony in Canada. Unlike the Spanish, very few Frenchmen wanted to go to the New World. Let's offer yourself a deal. You could live in Paris, or you could live in the middle of a wilderness where there were Indians around that would roast you alive after they scalped you. Most of the Frenchmen took Paris. So in my mind, how many applicants did sit Dumont yet? Probably one. And so, in 1603, Champlain comes to Canada, and on the voyage over, now podcasters, I've told this in class, sometimes I don't tell it in class, you just never know what the reaction is going to be. But I'm going to tell it to you. So let's make a deal. This does not have to leave this podcast. This is between you and me. So, if you're right-handed, I want you to use that right hand and pretend to zip your lips. Left ace, do it with your left hand. Got those lips zipped? Now, the reason I'm going to tell you this and want you to zip those lips is because there are two things that you better never, ever talk about if you want to remain friends with someone. Now, Donna on Signal Mountain knows what they are. And I bet her beekeeping husband knows what they are too. And if you don't, you better listen. The two things you never, ever, ever, ever talk about among your friends, if you want to remain friends, religion and politics. Zip those lips. On the voyage over, there were two men of the cloth. One was Catholic, one was Protestant, which the French called Huguenots. They were the only two religious people on the boat. And every morning when they got up, they'd come up to the top deck. What kind of day was it going to be? Oh, it was just a beautiful day. And being men of the cloth, although they were opposite cloths, they would meet and they would discuss. Now, how long do you think it got before they were discussing religion? Five seconds, 20 seconds, 30 seconds. Are you ready, podcasters? Let the fight begin. Yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. The fight. All of a sudden, one grabbed the other one and hit him on the head, and they, oh my gosh, the two men of the cloth were fighting. And the sailors, the sailors, who are not the nicest people in the world, were horrified, and they would go and they'd pull those two men apart. And the two men, oh my gosh, they were told, you two men of all the people in this boat should be the last ones to ever do what you just did. Oh, they were so sorry. They asked forgiveness of each other. Never going to do this again. Well, never say never. The next morning, another fight. 
Every morning, it did not take long till they were discussing politics and each one trying to tell the other what was wrong with their religion. Podcasters, I want to tell you, you can't make this stuff up. Two people died on that crossing. The two men of the cloth. And so when they landed, hang on, podcasters, they dug one grave. They put both of these men in the grave facing each other, and they stood around to see if they were going to continue fighting. Do not let that little story go outside the podcast. Do you understand? Champlain landed in New World. He wanted to make a colony. And where he was, it took a little while to make the colony. You had to make sure that the soil was, was good enough that you could grow crops and all. And while they were doing that, Champlain did what Champlain does best. He got some men and he went exploring. He got on a boat that would look like a kill boat. You don't know what a kill boat is. Look it up on the internet. He had about 15 men with him. And he's sailing along the coast of America. And one day it was time to make camp, so they pulled in and they made camp. They built a campfire. They're all sitting around that campfire talking about whatever Frenchmen talked about in those days. And podcasters, they were attacked by Indians. The Indians came screaming out of that night, attacked those men. The ones that were not killed were not killed simply because they ran fast and they ran for their lives and they got on that boat. When the little war party had finished killing people, Champlain on the boat and the others waited to daylight so they could go bury the dead. And when daylight came, they saw that their dead had been dragged away and they looked up and up on a hill, there were the warriors that had just attacked them. When the warriors saw that the Frenchmen were looking at them, they let out a war cry, they scalped, they held up heads they had decapitated, and they jumped around having a delightful time showing the French what had happened to their friends. Now Champlain was getting mad, but there's a saying. Anybody know what it is? Don't get mad. You got it. Courtney said it. Mimi said it. Bronze Star said it. Todd said it. Don't get mad, get even. Eye for an eye. Champlain couldn't do anything then. By the time they got off the boat, the Indians would be gone. So they went traveling down the river. But you know what, podcasters? They stopped well before nightfall. They made a camp just like the one they'd made the night before. Had a big fire going. But when it got dark, Champlain told the Frenchman, get leaves and put them in those blankets. We're going to move off into the darkness. 
my podcasters, if any of you have ever been on a camp out, and I bet you have, I want you to remember something. You got a campfire going, and you sitting around that campfire, people can see you, but you can't see them. So around that campfire, they put blankets with leaves in them, and the Frenchman moved off into the darkness, and with loaded rifles called Apiquas, matchlocks, they just waited. And it was not long till they hear war cries, and here comes a small Indian war party. With the same Indians? Who knows? And I don't think Champlain cared. And that war party attacked those leaves and those blankets, and all of a sudden you hear, boom, 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 boom. That's introducing those Indians to gunpowder. Four Indians went down dead. The others took off running for their lives. Champlain waited for daylight. And the next morning, when daylight came, the Indians looked at that boat, and what they saw were four poles, and on each pole was an Indian head. And I do not think those Indians were smiling. Now, podcasters, I like to think of this as perhaps the first bumper sticker. Because what Champlain is telling those Indians is, you mess with me, this is what you get. Don't mess with Samuel Champlain. Oh, I can hear you right now. What about that promise? What about that promise? Oh, Mr. Strauss. What about that promise? You know, that promise, I'll never mistreat Indians. There's another part that everyone should know. As long as they don't mistreat me. You kill my Frenchman, I'll kill you. Podcasters, I want to tell you something. This is one of the toughest frontiersmen that you have probably never heard of. When he got back to where his colony was going to be, he found that it was not a good place. The soil was not good. And so now he goes continuous looking for the colony. Where to put the colony? And he's coming down the St. Lawrence River. And he sees canoes. No Indians in the canoes. The canoes have been beached. So he knows there's some Indians not far away. He decides to go in and see the Indians. I get, the I get the feeling that he was by himself this time. He left his canoe there. And after going in a little bit, following a trail, he found some Huron Indians. They were sitting around a pot. The pot was over a fire. It does not take a genius to realize that these Indians are getting ready to eat. And of course, the Indians did what many did when you see a stranger, a traveler, are you hungry? Would you like to eat? I'm going to tell you some stuff, podcasters. No nationality got along as well with the Indians as the French did. Even in Texas, where they had the Comanche, they tried what was called the French method. 
no European would get along with the Indians as well as the French. And there are many reasons for that. And one of them was because of Samuel Champlain. The promise he made, I'll never mistreat Indians. I'll never be mean to them. This is called diplomacy. Frontier diplomacy. French diplomacy. A lot of us grew up with mothers that would tell us things like, if you want to have friends, sometimes you have to make an effort. We'll say that again, podcaster. Sometimes you have to make an effort. When Champlain was asked if he wanted to eat, he could have said, Oh, no, thank you. I have a sandwich in the canoe. Yes, he said. I was hoping you would ask. When in Rome, do as the Romans do. He's going to eat that food just like the Indians. As he was sitting down, he looked in the pot. He could not see what all was in the pot, but what he did see, because it was boiling hot and some of it would float up and disappear, he saw some beaver. He thought that was beaver. He saw some type of fat. He didn't know what that was. And of course, you know what's got to be in there, podcasters. Oh my, there was dog. There was dog floating around in that thing. And when they took the pot off the fire to let it cool a little bit, one of the Indians took out a pipe, put tobacco in it or leaves, whatever they had, lit it up and took a drag and then passed it to the next Indian and he took a... When that pipe came to Champlain, oh, you know what we do today? Oh, no, 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 can't smoke. Mm -mm -mm. Or at least you do like I did when I was a kid and you saw somebody with a Dr. Pepper, and you would say, give me a sip. I want a sip. Give me a sip of that Dr. Pepper. And he'd hold out the bottle. You hear that? No cans. Bottle. And you know what we do? We were going to sanitize that. And so, we would take our hands and wipe all the germs off the top, and then we'd blow those germs off. And we'd take a sip. And then we'd hand it back, and he'd have to de-germ it too. He'd rub my germs off, and he would take, blow those germs off. Podcasters, if Champlain had done that to that pipe, what do you think that's telling those Indians? No, you do not de-germ anything. You put that pipe stem in your mouth, and you take a long drag, and you, oh my gosh, it's so good. You hear me, podcasters? But do not start smoking, you understand? Frontier diplomacy. When in Rome, when with the Huron, you eat like the Huron. There were no bowls, no spoons. But when the food had warmed, had cooled enough, they got as close to that pot as they could, and with grinning from ear to ear, they stuck both hands into the middle of that food and they took it and they threw that food in the direction of their mouth. Yum. Champlain did it too. Now that food was going all over the place. 
Some went in the face, some went in the mouth. A lot of it stayed on the hands. But once the Huron had taken the food and threw it in the directions of their mouth, they had to clean their hands to put it back in. You know, you do not want to put your hands back into that food until you've cleaned them. Hang on, podcasters. They call their dogs over. And they will wipe their dirty hands on the dogs. But when the dog's hands got... When the dogs got too much food on them, they would put their hands out and let the dogs lick their hands clean and then put their hands back into the food and they would have another bite. When in Rome, when in Canada, when eating with a Huron, no one did frontier diplomacy better than the French and no Frenchman did it better than Samuel Champlain. He comes down the St. Lawrence River and he sees where Nanakana's old camp had been. There are houses that have been vacated. It would look like a ghost place. But Champlain fell in love with it. And he's going to found the city of Quebec. Quebec was a word of the Algonquin. And it simply meant where the river narrows. This would be the most important city in France for a, in Canada for a long time. New France. For many, many years. Founded by Champlain. This was in 1608. In 1608... The wintertime is going to come and Champlain is going to experience a Canadian winter just like Cartier had done. One night, after building a little fort, Champlain heard the cries of Huron. He jumped out of his bed and he went and got on top of the wall where he could look out and see and there were hundreds of Huron out there and they were terrified. And he said to them, What in the world has happened? And one of them said, Two feathers had a dream. What did he dream? He dreamed that the Mohawk were coming. Let us in the fort. All right, podcasters, we talked about the Comanche, we talked about the Kiowa, we talked about the Crankawall. Iroquois was a French word and these Indians that these Iran are terrified of, the Mohawk, the Algonquin, Tuscalera, they're all part of what the French and later the English will call the Iroquois Confederacy. When I taught my 8th grade scholars, I would tell them that the Iroquois Confederacy had the toughest Indians east of the Mississippi. Now, it did not matter which tribe, Mohawk, Onondaga, Tuscalera. It's like saying which snake was the most poisonous. They all were poisonous. And they were the bitter enemies of the Huron. The Huron were bitter enemies of them. And these Indians were terrified because two feathers had had a dream. 
I don't know if I've mentioned dreams to you. Dreams were more important to these Indians than reality. When Two Feathers dreamed that the Mohawk were coming, you better get up and get out of there. Because that's foresighter in the future. And what Champlain learned right then and there podcasters were two things. Dreams were important. And these Indians were terrified of the Indians in the Iroquois Confederacy. Now I have to tell you this. I talked about the crank wall, dog lovers, told you a dog eating story. I'm going to tell you another dream story. There was an Englishman by the name of Sir William Johnson. He was knighted, and he lived with the Mohawk. Not inside the fort with him, but he built a home near where the Mohawk were, but he lived with the Mohawk, and the Mohawk knew him. And he knew the ways of the Indian. And one morning, Sir William Johnson walked out on his porch to see what kind of day it was, and there waiting on him was a Mohawk that he knew. So he asked his friend, what do you want? And the Mohawk said to Sir William Johnson, last night, Sir William Johnson, I had a dream. And Sir William Johnson said, what did you dream? And the Mohawk said, come with me, Sir William Johnson. And he walked into Sir William Johnson's home. He walked into the bedroom. He opened the armoire. And Sir William Johnson was told that he had dreamed, the Mohawk had dreamed last night that Sir William Johnson had given him all the clothes in that armoire. And Sir William Johnson knew about the Mohawk and their dreams, so he said, if you dreamed it, it is true, take those clothes. And the Mohawk, with a grin from ear to ear, took the clothes and left. A few days later, the Mohawk came out of his home to see what kind of day it was, and there stood Sir William Johnson. What do you want, Sir William Johnson? Sir William Johnson said last night, I had a dream. What did you dream? And Sir William Johnson said, come with me. And he walked outside the gate, the walls of the Mohawk Fort, and he pointed off to the west. He said, you see those mountains? I dreamed you gave me all the land from those mountains. And he started moving his hand to the right, to these trees. And that Mohawk swallowed. And he said, if you dreamed it, Sir William Johnson, that land is yours. And then the Mohawk added, but I never want to dream with you again. You dream too big, you take too much. When that Huron dreamed that the Mohawk were coming, the Mohawk got up and ran to the nearest protection they knew, and that was the fort built by Champlain. And Champlain said, the fort is not very large. I'll let the women and children in, but you warriors need to stay outside because I ain't got room for all of y'all. And those warriors got their backs to the logs of that wall fort, and all night they watched for the Mohawk War Party. The next morning, 
Champagne said to them, I'll tell you what I'll do. I will lead a war party against the Mohawk and I will defeat them. I would not have said it if it were not true. You take me to the Mohawk and you show me where they live and I will defeat them. But in return, you take me where I want to go. You can defeat the Mohawk. What did I just tell you? Would not have said it if I couldn't do it. You defeat the Mohawk, Champlain. We'll take you wherever you want to go. Well, it's wintertime now. The St. Lawrence is frozen. We'll go in the summer. And so in June of 1608, Champlain is going to go on his first war party. He goes down the St. Lawrence till he comes to where the Huron camp is. He gets out of his canoe. Well, excuse me, not a canoe. I'm sorry, podcast. His keel boat. He's got about 12 other men with him. And they walk in to where the leaders are meeting. And Champlain is just in time to eat dog again. So he sat down and had some dog with him. After they all got organized and decided they were going to go on this war party, they told Champlain that before they went anywhere, they wanted to see that fort. They had heard about that fort. And so the war party, instead of going south on the St. Lawrence, they go north up to where the fort is. And just like a tour guide, they break up the Huron and little tour groups and they walk them around the fort. They showed them where they ate. You see that? We have tables. We have silverware. Well, there's not silver. We got bowls. Now come with me. They took them up on the walls of that fort. And when those Hurons saw the cannon, they stopped. All the Frenchmen said, You want to see this shoot? Oh, how do you say yes in Huron? So you know what they're going to do, podcasters. You're going to make sure you hit what you're aiming at. Have you ever seen a cannon fire? Boom! They loaded that, and I bet they put a little bit extra gunpowder in it. And when that thing fired, the Indians, when they learned about cannons, they called them the guns that shot twice. (laughs) One was the blast coming out of that cannon's mouth and that flame coming out. The smoke, oh, it's a sight to see. And when those Hurons saw that, they gave out a war cry and they jumped up as high as they could and they came down and they said, shoot it again. Boom. Shoot it again. Oh, this was the finest thing those Hurons had ever seen. So they decided to have a war dance. And they danced all night long. Next morning, Champlain said, we need to get started on the war party, and the Huron looked at him like he was stupid and said, we're not going anywhere. We danced all night. We're tired. We're going to sleep, and they went to sleep. Finally, when they had enough rest, it was daylight, they took off down the St. Lawrence. They come down to a river that is going to be named by Champlain the Richelieu. Richelieu was a financial minister in France. You want to name things for people in powerful positions. 
And as they were coming down the rich loop, then something happened. They see a war party coming toward them. And they don't have to worry about what Indians they are. They know these are the Mohawk. And so here they come. You got a Mohawk war party paddling their canoes toward the Huron. The Huron are paddling their canoes. Both war parties give out war cries. And then, as if it had been planned, the Huron make a right and turn and come ashore. The Mohawk take a right and go to the opposite shore. And they stand on the edge of the water, screaming at each other and cussing out each other. A Huron would yell over to the Mohawk, you ugly Mohawk. I'm going to come over there in the morning and I'm going to cut your head off and I'm going to scalp you. And he let out war cry. Ah! That Mohawk would say, you ugly old Huron. Will you come over here? I'm going to kill you and I'm going to scalp you alive. You know what they're doing, podcaster? They're letting each other know that these are the meanest Indians you don't ever want to mess with, but we're also working out of their deal. You, Ron, you come over here and attack us. We're not going to come attack you. You come in the morning, not during the night. Now we can spend the rest of the night cussing each other out. The next morning, the Huron War Party went to get Champlain. When Champlain woke up, they asked Champlain, they asked him what they asked him every time when they had this war party, spend the night somewhere, and Champlain wake up, they would ask him the same thing. Did you have a dream? Did you dream? And every night when Champlain woke up the next morning, the answer was no. But this time, this time, podcasters, they asked Champlain, Champlain, did you dream? And Champlain said, yes, I did. What did you dream? Oh, Champlain said it was weird. It was very weird. Well, what was it? What was it? I dreamed we were on this very river. And there was a Mohawk war party in the middle of the water and they were drowning and they were screaming for help. And I went out there and one of the poor Mohawk, I grabbed him by the shoulders to keep him from drowning and I was putting him ashore and I bumped into someone and I turned and it was a Huron. And the Huron looked at me and said, what are you doing? I said, I'm trying to save this poor Mohawk. And the Huron said, I don't know why they're not good for anything. And so I let him drown with the others. And that Huron said, you dreamed that? Yes, I did. And he let out a war cry. Champlain has had a powerful dream. We're going to win this war, buddy. And so they got in those canoes, podcasters, and they're paddling with gusto. They didn't go straight across to the Mohawk. They went upriver, came down through the woods, and then they see that during the night, the Mohawk had made a fort. Oh, it may not be one like in the movies, but I will guarantee you it was better than nothing. I'm going to tell you something, podcasters. I'm going to give you an assignment. I want you to go, when you get through listening to this class today, I want you to go to the computer. 
And what I want you to do is I want you to look up on Wikipedia, Wikipedia, Samuel D. Champlain. And I want you to go over there and I want you to click on those pictures. So you have to click down a couple of them and you're going to come to a drawing that Champlain is going to make and put in his book of what I'm telling you. It's this first war party. And what you're going to see is a drawing. And what you see is the Mohawk Fort on the right. And the Mohawk could come out of that fort. And the reason is, when they saw that there were only about a hundred Huron, I know what they thought. Oh my gosh, y'all were screaming so loud. I thought there was a bunch of you. But there's not many of you. We don't need this fort. So we're coming out. And the Huron came through those woods. And when they saw those Mohawk come out of that fort, they said to Champlain, you said you could whip the Mohawk. We'll get up here and do it. So Champlain, with his little armor on, he goes walking out in front of them. And with that mesh lock, the aquabus, he looks at the Mohawk and he said in that book, these were the meanest, toughest Indians he'd ever seen in his life. Looking at their faces, there was not so much at the hint of any fear. And he said that they could tell who the leaders were. And he looked at the leaders, and the leaders, he said, looked at me. And then the leaders and the other Mohawk took the arrows and notched them into the bow, and they started pulling that bowstring back as they lifted those arrows. And Champlain said, as they lifted those arrows, I lifted my gun, and I pulled the trigger. Podcasters, this is introducing the Mohawk to Mr. Gunpowder. Now, what they would do, the French would do, the English would do with these old matchlocks, is sometimes you put three or four lead balls down it, so what you got is like a 68 caliber shotgun. And it went boom. When the Mohawk leaders went down, another one screamed in agony, and those Mohawk jumped in the air with more terrified faces than anyone had ever seen, and when they landed, their feet were moving, and off they went. The Huon let out a roar cry, jumped straight up in the air, and they come down, their feet moving, and they took off after them. And Champlain said he heard blood-curdling screams for about 40 minutes after that. And when the Huron come back, they're coming back with arms, heads, legs, scalps. They have had a fun, fun, fun day. Now, podcasters, I want you to notice that before you saw the fort and the opposing war parties, you probably saw a drawing of a man pointing an aquabus. That's Champlain. That's Champlain. George Washington, the father of America. Were there any paintings of him made while he was alive? And I know what you're saying. You're nodding your head. Oh, yes, there were. There were many of them. 
There were no paintings of Champlain made while he was alive. The only image of Champlain during his life was this one that he had to do himself. And there he is. During the night, the Hurons start torturing one of the Mohawks. I mean, that's kind of like the fun of it. And having read about the Indians torturing each other, that Mohawk would be saying things like, is this all you can do for me? Why, well, you silly little Huron, this doesn't even hurt. That doesn't hurt, huh? Chop off another finger. Bam! That hurt? No, it doesn't hurt. I like that. Like Englishmen, like sugar in their tea. Well, let's see if I can think of something else. Wow. Champlain's trying to get some sleep. Finally, Champlain had enough. He throws his blanket off and he comes over to the Huron that's torturing that Mohawk. And he said, why in the world do you people do this? I cannot believe you're doing this. And the Huron looked at Champlain like you are crazy. And Champlain, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, and just went back and got in his blankets again. And the Hurons start talking. Why is Champlain acting like that? And one of them said, I know why. Let's get honest. Who is the one person most responsible for us winning the war party today? Champlain. Who is the one person most responsible for all these captives that we're going to get to torture? Champlain. Did we ask Champlain if he wanted to torture anybody? No. We just started torturing one ourselves. We didn't even bother to ask him. You know what's coming next, podcasters? You know what we ought to do, don't you? Let's tell Champlain he can torture this one. And so one of them went over to Champlain and touched his arm. Champlain, Champlain, you see that mohawk over there? He's yours. You can do to him whatever you want to do, and we'll watch. Champlain said, whatever I want to do, whatever you want to do, Champlain, that mohawk is yours. Champlain got up. He got his musket. He walked over there, put the barrel to that Indian's head, and pulled the trigger and blew his brains out. Went back and got in his bed to go to sleep. And the Huron looked at each other. Why did he do that? We would have tortured him for hours. What did he do? He just came up, blam, blam. Well, maybe it's in his magic. Maybe it's in his power. But what we cannot do is we cannot torture anybody else after he leaves. Next day, they got in the canoes and off they went. When they came back to the Mohawk camp, Excuse me, not the Mohawk, the Huron camp. The Huron was seeing something they had very seldom seen. A victorious war party coming back. Ah, oh, podcasters. Those Huron warriors, when they were within sight of their camp and all of the people in that camp came running down to the edge of the St. Lawrence River, the Huron would take heads of the Mohawk and hold them up by the air and look and just look and see what we've got. Look here, let's see what we got. Now, some of those Huron warriors had girlfriends. Some of the girlfriends had boyfriends in the canoe on the victorious war party. Some were wives. And when those women saw their loved ones, 
with those Mohawk heads. Some of them jumped in the St. Lawrence with excitement and they started swimming out to those canoes. And when they got to those canoes, the podcasters, you know those guys got to flirt a little bit. And this is the flirting. They would take a mohawk head and hold it by the air. And they would dangle that head down so that the wife or the girlfriend could grab it. And as she lunged for that head, oh, podcasters, that warrior would pull that head up and she would miss it and she'd go gurgling under the water. And as she'd come back up and that head be dangling right in front of her again. Oh my gosh, she missed it again. There she goes back under. Can't you see the little heart's piddle paddling with love? But podcasters, you better let her grab it. And about the third time, that Indian girl grabbed that head. And out there treading water, she took that long hair and tied it around her neck and went swimming back in. And when her feet touched dry land, she started dancing around the pot. As the war party landed, those Huron came in and they danced around that pot. And not all of them had a mohawk head. Some of them had arms, some had legs, some had feet, some had fingers. And they threw body parts into the fire. They're going to eat it. And they're dancing around. And Champlain is watching. And then he sees something. Oh no, he said to himself. One of the Huron would dance up to another warrior and he'd whisper something to him. They'd both look at Champlain. And then one of the Huron would go off and he'd come back with an arm and hand it to that Indian. And what they're whispering is, have you got any extra body parts? I'm taking up a collection for Champlain because he doesn't have any. Oh, yes, I've got an extra arm. i got an extra foot. I've got two hands. I'll give you one. Anybody got a head? Oh, i got a head. And Champlain watched them gather up all those body parts. And then when they had what they thought was enough, the dancing stopped, the music stopped, and all the Hurons just looked at that warrior that had all the body parts in his arms, legs, arms, hands, and a couple of heads on top, and went walking up to Champlain. And when he got up to Champlain, he said, put your arms out. And Champlain did, and they dumped all those body parts and there was Champlain standing there with body parts and the Huron smiling from ear to ear as Champlain. Be honest, Champlain. Did you ever dream you would have what I just gave you? And Champlain told the truth. No, I never dreamed this. They gave Champlain a canoe and he went paddling back and when he got around a couple of bends, he threw those body parts in the St. Lawrence River. But he took them. That's what Champlain did. 
the Euron took him where he wanted to go. And you're going to start exploring. And one night, while exploring the St. Lawrence River, finding some of the great lakes and all, one night, one of the Huron dreamed that a Mohawk war party was coming, and they ran out into that St. Lawrence River, and they stayed out there all night, and they said to Champlain, when the Mohawk come, don't tell them we're down here. And the next morning, they came out like nothing had ever happened. But there were other war parties. Now, this one that I told you to look at on the internet, on Wikipedia, that's one drawing of one war party. There is a book, a biography of Samuel Champlain, written by Dr. Morrison, Samuel Elliott Morrison, that I read, and it was okay, but it had the drawings in there. It had all of them in there. But if you really want to read about Champlain, you read what Francis Parkman wrote. The Pioneers of France and the New World. This is just a little bit about Champlain. You explore the rivers. He names Lake Champlain. He gets into other war parties. He has to go back to France from time to time. Of all the great lakes, the furthest he got was the Lake Huron. And just to tell you this, yes, he did get married. One time when he went back to France, he married a young girl, a young beauty. Her name was Helena Beulah. Hang on, podcasters. She was 12 years old. Put down those phones. This was not that uncommon. He married her, promised they would not consummate the marriage until she was 14. He comes back to the new world. Podcasters, I'm going to tell you, this is not going to be a marriage made in heaven. Champlain will stay with the Huron, and the Huron will love this man like no Frenchman they've ever loved in their lives. In fact, some of the Frenchmen actually got angry at Champlain, thinking that he took the side of the Huron more than them. And one day in Quebec, a Frenchman tried to kill Champlain. He fired an aquabus at him and missed Podcasters, you do that to Champlain and you miss, you've had it. And that Frenchman knew and he threw down that weapon and he ran because he can run faster without a weapon and he ran into the woods. And when he got out there, I know what he was thinking. I've made a big mistake. I should have done that. Oh, I wish I could go back in time. Where, where is the butterfly effect when you really need it? And then that terrified Frenchman heard a voice call his name. It wasn't Champlain, but it was another Frenchman. And he said, look, you know you made Champlain a little bit angry when you shot at him to blow his head off, and you mean you know that? Oh, yes, I won't ever do it again. I won't ever, ever, ever do it again. Champlain was mad. But after he cooled down, we convinced him we need all the freshmen we can get. So what he decided to do was this. If you will promise and pinky swear that you'll never, ever, ever, ever try to kill him again, he'll forgive and forget. Oh, I will, I will, I will, I will, I will. 
And so they went back into Quebec, and that Frenchman went over to Champlain to thank him. Oh, thank you, Champlain. And Champlain picked up a pistol and blew that Frenchman dead. Bam! Remember that bumper sticker? Don't mess with Samuel Champlain. That meant Indians, and it meant Frenchmen. Because if you do, you're going to wind up dead, and your head, as the head of this Frenchman, was put on top of the church on a pike, and it was left there for 20 years to remind people, you do not mess with Samuel Champlain. This was the most important man in the history of France and Canada. More war parties, more exploration. He died in 1635. Died on Christmas Day. He was buried in the chapel. Age of 61. The father of New France. The friend of the Huron. And what he had done was he set an example that for as long as the French are in America, no European will get along as well with the Indians as the French. One of the reasons is the father of New France himself, he started that tradition. And there are other reasons too. What was in Canada as valuable in Europe, as gold was with a beaver pelt. And what you did not want to do is you did not hurt the population of the beaver. You come in there and you start cutting down those trees and you bring civilization and everything, you're going to destroy the beaver sanctuary. And the other is this. Not many Frenchmen wanted to come to America. The French never had many Frenchmen over here. And when you've got thousands and thousands of Huron and Algonquin and Mohawk and Onondaga and Tuscalera who are your enemies, you're going to be in a world of hurt, my friends. So you make buddies with the Huron. You become an ally of the Algonquin and the Nipsing and the Nipmuc. And when you go to war with the English, and oh, they will go to war with the English, then you can use these allies who are the Indians in lieu of French soldiers. And they won't hurt you because you're their friend. And you put all those reasons together, and those Indians had friends in the Frenchmen. That was Samuel Champlain, the father of New France. I hope you enjoyed it. And next time, we will be talking about a colony that was lost. We'll be talking about the beginning of the English. Enjoyed it, podcasters. And I hope you did too. Have a wonderful, wonderful day.